in the, the little drama that the women did for us earlier, they reminded us that, that women got it on Easter much more than the men did. That song, I think the women got it much more than the men did. Let's, let's spend a, a little bit of time here thinking uh, about what Paul uh, writes about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I hope you're enjoying our Easter service so far, but I want to pause for a second before we charge on any further and to allow some space for anyone who isn't fully convinced or fully engaged uh, with what we've been celebrating here so far this morning. Maybe you're not convinced by our Easter celebration because you simply don't believe. You don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth, the man the church calls Christ, actually died and rose from the dead. Easter seems like a nice idea, a nice way to, to welcome spring and to think about new life and, uh, and maybe some changes in our lives, but, but nothing to do with a real man rising from the dead. Maybe you do believe that, but you feel disengaged with what's going on here this morning. You believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but you're struggling to see that it makes any difference um, in the life that you're living right here and right now. What's Jesus rising from the dead got to do with you? Maybe someday in the future it'll matter, but, but not today. Not now. I want to allow space for, for that, for those ways of thinking, because I think if we didn't, uh, we'd probably be a bit disingenuous. But we're not the only people or the first people who have had these kinds of struggles. And in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is dealing with just these kind of concerns. In verse 12, the verse where we picked up this morning, Paul assumes by that point that the believers in Corinth uh, believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he builds on that belief and he shows us the difference that Jesus' resurrection uh, makes for, for people who believe in him. But he does that only after he's spoken to, to people who might not be so sure that Jesus rose from the dead. And the argument began uh, at the start of the chapter in verse 1. In the first 11 verses of the chapter, Paul reiterates some basic gospel truths, and he focuses particularly on the resurrection. He wants the believers in Corinth to know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead isn't springtime wishful thinking. It's based on solid historical evidence. One thing I, I couldn't help but notice as I looked at the passage quickly this week is the number of times Paul uses the word appear. Paul wants us to know that Jesus appeared to Peter, to 12 disciples, to a crowd of 500 plus, then to James, to the apostles, and to Paul himself. 
And he says something interesting about the the crowd of 500 plus. He says in verse 6, most of them are still living. And he's basically saying, I'm talking here about Jesus Christ rising from the dead, but don't take my word for it. Speak to any of these hundreds of people. They saw Jesus Christ alive after his crucifixion and his burial. Then you'll believe that he really did come back to life. In verse 12, after he's established those facts of the resurrection, Paul turns to the Corinthian Christians and he asks, but if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? And he goes on to press home his logic. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Paul's making the point that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it's no longer plausible to say that there's no such thing as resurrection from the dead. There is such a thing. And God's done just that thing for the man Jesus of Nazareth, crucified by the Romans on Golgotha outside of Jerusalem. Since Jesus, there is such a thing as resurrection from the dead. Hold on a minute, Uh, Christoph, you, you might still be saying, you're not seriously asking an intelligent person like me, someone who's grown up in the, the scientific era, to believe that a dead person can come back to life. I am. That's exactly what I'm asking you to believe. Along with the Apostle Paul, uh, the witness of the whole of God's word, I'm asking you to believe precisely that, that dead people can come back to life. I'll keep going here and see if there's anybody left by the time I finish. (laughs) I appreciate that it's not the dumb thing to believe in God or in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This came home to me quite forcibly again a couple of weeks ago. I was preparing for a talk I was giving in our Reason for God series uh, entitled Surely Science Has Disproved Christianity. And I was talking to a a member of the congregation who who has a scientific background. And and she told me of, of an occasion when she was in a public lecture and the speaker said, there can't be anyone here who believes in God. For the speaker, this was entirely self-evident. If you're the kind of person who comes to science lectures, then you don't believe in God. There can't be a God who does miracles, and there can't be any intelligent people in the world who believe that there is. Folks, we're talking here today about the resurrection of a man from the dead. And it seems to me that if, as the Bible contends, if there is a creator God, then there's nothing illogical about believing in the possibility of miracles and the resurrection from the dead. Here's why. If God, in the first case, created life out of nothing, if he took nothing, the nothing that was in front of him, and turned it into something, 
including all life and living things, then it's hardly going to trouble him to breathe life once more into a dead corpse when it suits him to do it. Resurrection is no problem for the all-powerful God. Jesus Christ did rise from the dead and hundreds of witnesses saw it. I said at the outset, there may be some people here who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Maybe, maybe you do believe. But you're struggling to see the resurrection as in any way important or relevant in your life. What has Jesus rising from the dead got to do with you? What difference does the resurrection make? Well, it's because we know that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we know that one day, believing in him, we will rise too. That's an absolutely fundamental Christian belief. Many of us here hold to it in our heads, but we don't own it in our hearts. We don't dwell on it. We don't think that way as people who will rise from the dead and who will live forever. In verses 14 to 19, very quickly, Paul lists some of the implications for Christians if they don't believe that Jesus was raised and that they will be raised with him. He says about himself and his fellow apostles, our preaching is useless, verse 14, we're liars, verse 15, and that we're pitied, we're to be pitied more than all men, verse 19. Paul says, if, if it's not true, if Jesus Christ wasn't stronger than death, if he's rotting still in a grave somewhere, then I'm a, a pitiful liar wasting my time. Take away the resurrection of Jesus and there's nothing. There's nothing left. And he addresses the Corinthians themselves and he points out the implications for them. If Christ remains dead, he says, your faith is useless. Verses 14 and 17 and you're still in your sins. On Good Friday night, we gathered here and we remembered together Jesus' death. And we remembered how he came to save us from our sins. Folks, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if the one who took our sin on himself and our death penalty himself succumbed to death, and he's clearly no stronger than death or sin. He hasn't the power to save us. A dead savior is no savior at all. Take away the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you have nothing. Nothing. This stuff in 1 Corinthians 15 really matters, and not just for when we reach the end of our lives. It matters for how we live today. Taking seriously the resurrection will change how we live today. Because when we don't take it seriously, 
when we don't take seriously that we will live one day after we die, we end up living life wrongly and in a skewed way. We start to prioritize our comfort and our enjoyment and our satisfaction right here, right now. We live the lie of our culture that it's all about this moment. That our lives have meaning only right now. And if we think that life's only about just now, we'll never understand the life of discipleship that Jesus Christ calls us to. He calls us to a life of discipline. He calls us to endure suffering. None of that will make sense if we think life's only about right here and right now. Folks, I know that talk about um, self-discipline isn't popular in our indulgent world. And even talking about waiting for something in the future, that's so difficult for us. We get frustrated if it takes three seconds for our internet connection to go up. What is it to wait throughout our lives for something beyond in eternity? Jesus Christ rose from the dead. One day we will rise with him if we're his. We have a glorious future to look forward to. And we need to learn to live in the light of it. In verses 14 to 19, Paul's been showing us how futile all Christian faith and teaching would be without the resurrection. But in verse 20, he, he draws us back to the Easter reality and truth. It's one of his great buts. He interrupts his argument. He says, but Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Our faith would be futile if Jesus had stayed dead. But he didn't. He rose and he's only the first of many. The first fruits is one of those biblical images that probably needs a bit of an explanation. Whenever the farmer brought in his first fruits, it, it would have been a very exciting moment for him. It's the moment where he would have seen tangibly in front of him a small part of his crop that would speak of the rest that was still to be brought in. So it's a first thing that speaks of everything that's going to come after it. That's the excitement that there is with Jesus Christ, resurrection from the dead. Jesus is the first of many people who are going to rise from the dead. Folks, I'm going to ask you to dwell on that for a second and see if you can begin to own that in your heart. That you're going to rise from the dead if you're in Jesus Christ. You know the story of Jesus at the grave of Lazarus? He's at a funeral. He's standing at a graveside and he speaks into the grave and he says, Lazarus, come out. He's going to do that for me one day. Christoph, come out. 
if you're in Christ, he's going to do that for you. He's going to stand at your grave and he's going to say, up you pup. Come on, let's go. He's the first of those who have risen from the dead. We're asking here this morning the question, what difference does the resurrection make? So far, Paul's shown us this incredible truth that because Jesus rose again, so can we if we trust in him. Most of us would be happy to leave it there. And to be honest, most of the theology we've ever heard leaves it there. But not Paul. He doesn't leave it at what we might call individual salvation. He's got a way bigger vision than that. Verses 24 to 28. He talks about a time when this risen Jesus is going to defeat all his enemies. He's going to defeat any enemy that stood against him and his reign of goodness and of love and of beauty. And the last enemy who's going to be defeated, we're told, is death. I don't know if you know the verse in Revelation 21. It's one of the the highlights of Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ. Revelation 21, we have the risen Christ saying, I make all things new. What Mel Gibson did with it that was very powerful is he had Jesus, the beaten and bruised Jesus, on his way to the cross, bearing his own cross. He had him speak those words to his mother as she met him on the road. Mother, I'm making all things new. That's what this death and resurrection is about. It's about making everything right again. About making all things new. C.S. Lewis had this to say about the resurrection. Christ has forced open a door that's been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different. Because he's done so. This is the beginning of a new creation. A new chapter in cosmic history has been opened. We're out of time for today. A couple of people have told me uh, this weekend that life begins at 40. They have a reason to be talking to me about that just now. I celebrated my 40th birthday on Good Friday. Is it true? I'm just looking for a few nods. Somebody who'll confirm that there's some truth in that. In my heart of hearts, I know that life doesn't begin at 40. It begins for each one of us the moment we commit ourselves to Jesus Christ. He died, but he rose again. He's the first of many who are going to do that, who are going to rise again. 
And he's not going to settle for just that, just a few people. He's going to make all things new. Life begins when we find Jesus. And that's the only way to celebrate Easter. find Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we're here today to celebrate the awesome truth that your son, who came and shared life with us, who hung out with human beings, got to know us and what it's all like down here. Thank you that when he died, Lord, you wrote brought him back to life. You raised him from the dead. Lord, we're here today to celebrate all of that. But Lord, we want to celebrate so much more. Thank you that Jesus is only the first. Thank you that in him we can join him and we too can rise from our death. Lord, thank you that it's not even just Jesus and just us, but it's this whole world. You want to make it new. You want to make it the beautiful thing that you always intended it to be. Lord, help us to see it today that you offer all of this to all of us in Jesus. That it's as we come to him, as we kneel before him, as we repent and say, I was wrong about life and how it works. Jesus, you're right. Now I'm going to follow you and live your way. Lord, it's as we do that that we're born into new life. Lord, we pray that this Easter Sunday would be a day when many people in this gathering would be born into new life with Jesus Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen.